The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jamie. The seven benefits of being a giver. Glory to God. You know what I really liked about that presentation was that God blesses us with income and increase not to raise our standard of living, but our standard of giving. And because of your faithfulness in giving, we're able to bring these services to you. And I thank God for the faithfulness of our musicians, our singers, our pastoral team, our cameramen, our audiovisual workers. I thank God for your faithfulness. And because of your faithfulness, we're able to be faithful and faithfully bring the blessings of a worship service to God's people. So we're grateful for that. Glory to God. May the blessings of the Lord be upon you. And I bless you in the name of the Lord. You know, beloved, tomorrow is our national holiday and celebration of the birthday of a great man, a, a great prophet, a great preacher, a great civil rights activist, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, Dr. Cl uh, Dr. King has made immeasurable contributions to this nation, and he ought to be celebrated Amen. Not only in life, but he ought to be celebrated even in death. Um, I, you know, I only have, I don't have very many regrets in life. I can honestly say that. But one regret I have is that when I was, I believe, a senior in high school, Dr. King was coming to our city, and he was speaking at one of the local high schools, and my mom and dad were going to hear Dr. King. And they invited me to come with them. But I declined the invitation because I decided that I was going to go and have fun with my friends. You know, I was going to go kick it with my friends. And I look back on that and I say, you know what? I should have went. I should have went and been part of history to hear Dr. King speak. And, you, you know, Dr. King is probably the most, he's probably the most frequent person that whose words are quoted even in the 21st century and one of his quotes my favorite one my favorite dr king quote is he when he said the moral arc of the universe is long but it bends toward justice and that's a very appropriate quote for our country right now we're in need of social justice in this country Pray for this nation. Pray for this nation. We're living in turbulent, turbulent and very difficult times. And except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Except the Lord watch the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. 
Beloved, for the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing with you, I've been sharing with you uh, a series of messages that I've called In His Presence. In His Presence. And today I'm going to read to you from Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, verse 16 says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I've been doing a series entitled In His Presence, and I'm calling this message today, The Lord Was There, I Knew It Not. The Lord Was There, I Knew It Not. Here in Genesis chapter 28, we see how that Jacob had went out from Beersheba the home of his mom, his dad, his brother Esau. He had went out from Beersheba and he was headed toward Haran, the country of his mother's brother. And Haran was approximately 500 miles from Beersheba. So Jacob has a long journey in front of him. So on his journey, he came to a certain place and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. What's interesting about this place that J Jacob happened upon is that it's the same place that his grandfather Abraham had come to on his journey from the Ur of Chaldees in search of Canaan land. And when Jacob came to this place, since the sun had set, he took one of the stones of this place and he laid the stone at his head as a pillow so that he could sleep. What's interesting about this stone is undoubtedly this is one of the same stones that his grandfather Abraham used to build an altar unto God 150 years earlier. Then Jacob went to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, he saw a ladder set upon earth. Now this was more of a staircase than a ladder. The word in the Hebrew clearly tells us that this was a staircase. But he saw this staircase. Its top reached to heaven. It was set up on earth, but the top of the staircase reached into heaven. And he saw angels, the angels of God, ascending and descending. And the Lord stood above it. What was God showing Jacob in this dream? God was showing Jacob that he is a God of omnipresence. He is present on earth. He is present in heaven. 
or he's just as present on earth as he is in heaven. Jacob saw this staircase and he saw that the top reached up into heaven and the Lord stood above it. So I believe God was saying to him, I am the God of heaven and earth. I believe God was showing Jacob that there is an uninterrupted connection between the presence of God in heaven and the presence of God on earth. What's interesting about this dream that Jacob saw, and it ought to be important to every one of us because we still live here on the earth. Jacob did not see angels descending from heaven, then ascending back to heaven, but he saw the angels of God ascending from the earth up into the heavens. What is God saying? I am God. And I am an omnipresent God. My presence is everywhere. I behold the evil and the good throughout the whole earth. I am in heaven and I am in earth. So where will you go from my spirit? Where shall you flee from my presence? Behold, if you send to heaven, I am there. And behold, if you make your bed in hell, I am there. I believe that's what God was showing Jacob. So Jacob saw that the Lord stood above the staircase. And then the Lord spoke to Jacob. Here's what's interesting about the word of the Lord. He spoke to Jacob and he rehearsed the same promise that he had made to Jacob's grandfather Abraham. He said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread ab abroad to the, the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, in other words, in the promised Messiah. He didn't say seeds, he said seed. And when the, when the Lord says seed, he's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then God went on to say to Jacob, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And that's the same promise to us today that God will never leave us nor forsake us, that God is not finished with us, and God will be with us until he accomplishes all of his purpose, until he accomplishes his divine plan, until he do his will in his life, God will be with us. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. This is why I'm calling this message, the Lord was there, and I knew it not. How many times the Lord has been there, but you didn't know it. Perhaps you look back after some time. When you look back over the situation, then you came to the realization that God was with me all the time. When I was struggling with that problem, when I was struggling in my sickness, when I was engulfed in darkness, 
God was right there. You know, beloved, although I grew up in the church, that's right, I grew up in the church, and I can't remember missing church on any of the Sundays of my upbringing while living in my father's and my, and my mother's house. I grew up in the church, but I wasn't saved. But eventually, I got saved. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I knew that God lived in my heart. Yet there were times he still seemed far away. Hmm. How many hear what I'm saying? I was just as saved as I, want, as I could be saved. I was filled with this precious spirit. But there were times that God still seemed far away. But God was always there. He was always there for me. And he was always there for you. Now Jacob's story reminds us we're always in the presence of God. Let me say it again. We're always in the presence of God. It isn't God who changes, it's us. God changes not. He is always present. And so he, he's not the one who changed, but it's us. Here in chapter 28 of Genesis, Jacob had to leave home. It was the only thing he could do after things went down in his home. Remember, he conspired with his mother to deceive his father. And he stole his brother Esau's birthright and blessing. This family was in crisis. This family was a dysfunctional family. But instead of acknowledging God, what did Jacob do? He ran. We do the same thing sometimes. When we get in trouble, instead of acknowledging the presence of God, we try to run away from the trouble without realizing that God was there. God was there and you knew it not. So instead of acknowledging God, Jacob ran off. He ran off and began a journey to get to Haran to get to the home country of his mother's brother. Often in the midst of pain and struggle, it seems hard to find God. Hmm? But he's always there. How many times we've been in trouble? How many times we felt pain? How many times we've struggled with something and it was hard to find God in that situation? Yet God was always there. He's always there to save. Always there to heal. Always there to deliver. Always there to restore. That's the kind of God we serve. Glory to God. So why is it that God is there and we know the promise? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But yet there's still times well, we feel like God isn't there. One of the manifestations of feeling like God isn't there is our complaints. Complaining 
Complaining is nothing more than a realization that God is there and I knew it not. This is why we're complaining. If we believe God was there, we wouldn't be complaining. We would be thanking and praising him. We'd be confessing our faith, seeing ourselves come out on the other side. But complaining is the realization that you knew it not. God was there, but you knew it not. We complain about all, seems like everything. Some people complain about their life. My life is so boring, some people might complain. My life is boring. I need a little more excitement. I need some spice in my life. What you really need, beloved, you don't need more excitement. You don't need more spice. All you need is a realization of the presence of God. Some folk complain about their marriages. My marriage is dead. I need a new spouse. You don't need another marriage. You don't need another spouse. You need a realization of God in that marriage. And even though you think you need another spouse, the problem may be you. And you don't realize the problem is you because God was there and you knew it not. Some folks say, my kids, my baby kids are a pain in the neck. And I'll be so glad when these kids grow up and get out of the house. Complaining about your kids. You don't need to be complaining about your kids. You don't need to be in a hurry for your kids to grow up and move out of the house. All you need is a realization of God. And when you come to that realization of God and the kids have grown up, moved out of the house, then you're going to begin to miss them. And you look back and say, God was there all alone. He was there, but I knew it not. Some folk complain and say, they say, well, my job sucks. That's what you've said. My job sucks. You ought to be thankful for a job. You may say your job sucks, but you don't necessarily need another job. In fact, you're not ready for another job just yet. All you need is a realization of the presence of God. And God will give you joy and satisfaction in the midst of that job that you thought was a job that sucked. Huh? People complain about their houses. They complain about their cars. Oh, my car is so old. But I don't care if your car is old. That old car gets you where you want to go. And as long as your car gets you where you want to go, you ought to be thankful to God. You ought to have a consciousness of the presence of God and know that God is there even when you're driving that old car. That's all you need. You're not ready for a new car just yet. What you really need is a realization of the presence of God. Glory to God. This is what we need, beloved. We need a realization of the presence of God. So we need to stop looking for excitement. New frills and new thrills, huh? To fill our lives. We need a realization of the presence of God. Nothing will help us. We need to understand that you can complain all you want to complain, but nothing will help you except 
a realization of the presence of God. This is what helped Jacob. Jacob had some character flaws. Jacob was a supplanter. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was a thief. And what Jacob really needed was the realization of the presence of God. Remember Psalm 16, verse 11? And you will show me the path of life. For in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We need a realization of the, ple- of, of the presence of God because in his presence, there's fullness of life. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Where there's fullness of life and where there's power, favor, and honor at the right hand of God, that leaves little room for complaining. Glory to God. So you might as well go ahead and say, I won't complain because God is present. Glory to God. I won't complain because God is present. Now, as I meditated on this text, the Lord began to show me that there are really three reasons why one knows not the presence of God. We've already established God is omnipresent. God is everywhere at the same time. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. So how's it that we don't know he's there? The Lord is there and we know it not. And the Lord began to show me three reasons. And I'm going to break them down, but that first reason is preoccupations. Second reason is distractions. And that third reason is ignorance. That's right, ignorance. Huh? So how is it that the Lord is there and we knew it not? Is it because of preoccupations? Here we see that Jacob was in a place and he didn't realize the Lord was there until the Lord spoke to him in a dream. If you don't realize that God is present in your life, what God will do, he'll make himself present in your dreams. He'll even speak to you in your dreams so that you know he was there all, the, all alone. He was there all the time. But we miss God because of those preoccupations. The same way Jacob missed God. What are those preoccupations? They could be regrets for the past. Could be loneliness and fear in the present. Or it could be your uncertainties of the future. Now consider Jacob here. Jacob had just done some bad things in his family. So bad that his brother wanted to kill him. And Jacob is on the run. He's on his way to a far country that he had never been to. So obviously Jacob is preoccupied with some regrets for the past. What did he regret? Did he regret deceiving his father, lying to his father, stealing from his brother? Did he regret conspiring with his mother? Perhaps he had some regrets. This is why he didn't realize that God was there. It's undoubtedly that Jacob was lonely. The Bible doesn't show that he was accompanied by no one. He's on a 500-mile journey, and he's all by himself. And you know how you get when you get by yourself. 
You know, a lot of folk don't like to be by themselves. They feel uncomfortable when they're by themselves because they have to deal with themselves. But even when you're by yourself, the Lord is present. I don't mind being by myself because I've learned how to enjoy myself in the Lord. Somebody ought to say something. Huh? But Jacob undoubtedly was lonely. Loneliness was getting the best of Jacob. Perhaps he had fear to be traveling on a road, a journey he had never traveled before. Perhaps that was one of his preoccupations. What about his uncertainties of the future? When you're uncertain about the future, that can be a preoccupation. Jacob had to have this preoccupation about being uncertain in the future. What would he have done? What will he do for a livelihood? How will he earn an income? Will he find himself in a situation where he's forced to marry a woman he, don't, he, he doesn't like? Remember when he left home, he was instructed to find a wife among his uncle's daughters. So he had to be preoccupied with this. What if I don't like her? Whether she's too tall, whether she's too short. That had to be a preoccupation. And when you're preoccupied like that, when you're always looking over your shoulder with the regrets of the past, when you're always feeling lonely and fear in the present, when you're uncertain about your future, then you're not focused that you're living in the presence of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you're riddled with regret, loneliness and fear, uncertainty, that's who you are. And if that's who you are, then you're not conscious or cognizant of the presence of God. Now you can see what Jacob perhaps was going through. Preoccupation. God was there and he knew it not. Another reason why God is there and we know it not is because of distractions. That's right. Distractions. What distracts us in life? We're distracted by money, particularly not having enough of it. We're distracted by materialistic things. We need this. We need that. We're so focused on that new house, that new apartment. So focused on that new car, that new wardrobe. All those things are materialistic things. And those things can become distractions. Where will I earn enough money to do this, that, or the other? That's a distraction. We're distracted by fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. But if you're operating in fear, you're not conscious of his presence of the one who give you that spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We're distracted by the voice of the world. We're so moved by what they think and what they say. And we're not realizing what God has said and what God is saying because we're so moved by the voice of the world. And if you're not moved by the voice of the world, oftentimes we're moved by the voice of the flesh. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.